Hello, it's Andrew May and welcome to the Strive Stronger podcast, Bite Size Edition. This is where we take a clip from a previous podcast and we amplify it for you in a snack-sized format. The other thing Georgie said to ask is about your origin of expensive whiskey taste playing for Suntory in Japan. Uh, and to build yes. on that, I'd like to also know, what, what did living in Japan for three years teach you or how did that change you? Yeah, well, Japan, I think travelling and playing at the end of my career, obviously the family, it was great. Like We had a, a year in France at the end of the 2007 World Cup. Unexpected, wasn't planned. They approached us early that year, Toulon. They were in second division. I think Tim Lane was head coach at the time and he'd been the backs coach, assistant coach in the 99 World Cup when we won. And, and he spoke to me and just put planted the seed about, hey, why don't you just extend your Rugby World Cup and play a season in Toulon. Um, we're looking to try and get promoted. We're looking to assemble a really good team. We've got a good team now, but a few missing parts. Those missing parts are pretty good. You had Victor Matfield, you had Anton Oliver, uh, Andrew Mertens, myself, Irini IE, Tussie Pissy. Um, you good know, name, isn't it? it Tussie Pissy. Was, it was yeah, like, and he was like a sum player. He's one well, of I think he's potentially the most kept Samoan now. And yeah, we had a, just a great year in 2007, 2008. The kids went into a French school in a place called La Prade. They, they literally learnt, they, they, it was just in French. Our oldest, Max, was with, uh, went, went in the same class as Charlie, so he was with his sister because everything was being thrown in French. And the, it's sink or swim, it's amazing how, how it was really, really difficult early, but then they, they pick up the French, they pick up how to play. Like it's funny what they learned from playing in interaction and playing marbles, whatever it was. And they went from not enjoying it for the first week and then, you know, a couple of weeks into it and they've got their friends around. And it makes you realise it doesn't matter. We're all, we're all human. It's a different language, but it's the same thing. They like to play, they like to eat and they cook food for them. So you don't have to worry about it as a parent, oh, what are we doing for like morning tea, lunch, this, this. You might give them a bit of fruit, but everything else was taken care of by the school and very French. They'd line up and then you could smell the food that they'd be having for lunch and it was pretty amazing. So they became foodies by with that year's experience. And then, yeah, and the youngest, Jazz, she went very, very early and it was almost before, like we have preschool and childcare, like it's even before that, but it's almost like a mini school and they have sleep. So that was a really good experience playing in small stadiums, traveling around the south of France particularly. Only a couple of games up around Paris. Yeah, it was racing, racing Metro in second division. So we played them up there, but everyone else was south of France really. And the team La Rochelle, who won the championship this year, that Ronan O'Gara coached. Great Ronan O'Gara, good mate from Ireland, who's done a great job. Um, they were second division. So we just traveled around the south of France and played some great rugby. It's not and some not so great rugby, but we got we, we called ourselves the promoters. We got them up, and we just had a time living in a different culture, speaking a different language. Do you still speak French now? Do you still understand? A little bit. No, I can understand a little bit, not not a lot, but I can I can get by uh, with a bit of pidgin French, particularly down south, which is different to being in 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 Paris. And then you take that, and it's not that that dissimilar. Like there's the French, obviously speaking French and everything, but you know. You got your big supermarket, supermarket chains, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and, and they're just different names. It's the same stuff, and then you, you work your way around, and you're on the other side of the road. But it, it was really good. It was really good to embrace. And then Japan. So I've, I've probably answered this in a long way. Three years in Japan when I was finishing up that season, they wanted me to maybe play another year. But then Santori came to me through Eddie Jones. Eddie out of the blue came to me. He was coaching Saracens at the time and said, "Mate." Santori really keen for you to go over there. And he said three years. I nearly choked on my croissant and my coffee. <laughs> I said three years. I said, Are you serious? I was like I was going into my thirty I was thirty five then. I was going to my thirty fifth year. I said, 
mate. I said, do you want, they want, obviously, they want me to be sort of like a player coach. So, Noel, this is no, no, it's to play. He says, the coaching's there. I'll be there as director. I'll come in from my, from time to time. He says, you've got key mises. They want you to play. And obviously, you'll do coaching regardless of that. He says, it's to play. I said, well, we'll have to look at it year by year. So, just because that was a long year in 2007. So, finished up in Toulon. We got them promoted, which was fantastic. It was a really awesome experience. Then went to Japan, and that is totally different. Like, it's, I was there in 2019, and they've really embraced hosting international tournaments such as that. Then it was the Olympics. So, they were speaking in English, encouraging the taxi drivers to speak English. You go back 10 years ago, prior to that, it wasn't the case. So, you just have to learn. And it was really, really good. And I've been there with the Brumbies in 96 and we went there in 98 and loved it, like Tokyo and other parts of Japan. They're very respectful, food's incredible, very, very safe, but that language barrier and this like understanding and how is, to get around, it's, it's single swim. I've been to Japan a few it's times. It's totally not, different. Not in the last 10 years, so it'd be interesting to go back. But it is, you, you know you're in a foreign country, so you're with the, the kanji, hiragana, katakana, the different languages. That's so not written in English, it's all the different Japanese symbols. Mm. But you could go, I remember going to Shiga Kogen near the ski fields where they had the Nagano Olympics. No one spoke English, so you'd have to pick up somebody. Yes. Uh, Watashi wa Andrew Des, and I ended up ordering a cat rather than a bread roll. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's a, it's a real cultural experience, isn't it, living there? So I can imagine yeah. for three years you would have really got into that culture and embraced it, learned a lot. It was, and the players, the way we communicated really was half-half. It was half English, half Japanese, like one side of the field, right to left might be English, left to right might doing it in Japanese, centre field scrums, line-outs be a, a hybrid of uh, English and Japanese. But the players all understand English really, really well. Like, oh, George said English, okay, English, okay. But like, you'd actually be wanting to talk to them in Japanese, and we we did well. All the foreign players, it's probably six in your squad, would have and various various levels of um, experience in terms of where they were with their Japanese lessons. So you do Japanese lessons once or twice a week, really good, and and that really, particularly after the first year, just went like that from year two, year three. Got on great with my teammates. The Japanese boys are just, they work so hard, super respectful. Obviously, I was the oldest player in the squad, so I'm very much sung. Joy so sung, yeah. Over the top, yeah. And I'm saying, guys, let's let's speak in Japanese. So you'd always finish with a meal at the end of training. So they do it really well, Suntory, at the clubhouse. And they're, they're very, very professional. So the piece for us was like, okay, if we sit down for a meal, there's no technology. That's ba- even back then, no technology. They, they'd have it even today in the meal room. And it was, we sit down, we eat together. And I said, well, guys, we eat together. We speak in Japanese. Don't, I want, they don't want you speaking to me in, in, uh, in, in English. So that was my way of just picking up and then she hearing it. And then you go to your lessons and you're picking up. I've heard this when I'm talking to the guys. And then, yeah, it was, it was a great immersive and really, um, enjoyable experience and obviously again the family they weren't they weren't there full time because we put them back in the Australian system they came over for the holidays and and and, and the summer uh, and the Christmas Christmas break which was a good chunk and they had a wonderful time absolutely fell in love with it and picked up a little bit themselves just by walking around and being really respectful and just seeing I think one one of the other learnings here's a small thing but it's a big thing the kids really really young they're just going to this, like year one year two they're going to school they're almost as big as their backpacks they carry their backpacks to the train station and you might you might say say goodbye to them at the train station but you can't drop them off there's no carpooling in japan they get on the train they go there they like the little sort of <laughs> it's like it's like drop off out of something uh, was it finding nemo and they just they become really really independent and it's a really it's a beautiful thing to see i remember it, was, it wasn't lost on our kids i think they're all three of them are very independent can do their 
their own thing and get around. And I think that had a big impact on their ability to do that and the confidence to do that, what it does for a person. So, no, and it's very safe. Like, I know people say, oh, that's because it's Japan. I said, yeah, it's very safe. But culturally, yeah, it was it was really good lessons to learn. Um, and, yeah, I, I think that that respect piece and, and the work ethic um, and, and just the environment that you're in, you just you, you feel really, really at, at ease and at peace when you're in Japan. And it's, it goes from being a mega city in Tokyo then to being very, very spiritual and calm. If you go into you know, an hour and a half, you're in the woods on a Shinkansen and you're just in an onsen and they're just really attached to that. It means a lot to them. So, no, love Japan, love going back and I, I think it'll, be, it'll always continue to be a big part of my life. Hey, it's Andrew and we hope you enjoyed that episode. We would really appreciate it if you helped us amplify the Strive Stronger with Andrew May podcast by sharing episodes with colleagues and friends and going to iTunes and leaving a rating and review. This really does help us get this message out to a wider audience. And if you would like to know more about how Strive Stronger uplifts teams through optimizing human performance and well-being, make sure you check out strivestronger.com. And if you'd like to know more about my personal practice, Focusing on all things human performance, go to andrewmade.com where you can explore the books I have written, including MatchFit, which has now sold over 85,000 copies, or book me as a speaker at your next annual conference or company offsite. Or if you'd like to really turbocharge your business and personal success and wake up to a better way of living, working and leading, check out my brand new evidence-based Human Performance Academy that starts in July. I'm really, really looking forward to getting that going. And if you'd like to receive regular updates from me each month, make sure you subscribe to my monthly e-newsletter, the AM edition.